I would permit no person to narrow and degrade my soul by making me hate them. Booker T. Washington, activist working very hard to lift up what was called then Negroes, a class of people not seen as fully human, turn of the last century. I would permit no person to narrow and degrade my soul by making me hate them. I love how that flips hate, which I often think is hate is out there, to what it does in here and where it comes from. I don't I don't need to spend any time making the case that we are awash in hate these days, hate speech, hate images. I, instead, what I want to talk about is, I think the adage is often that the opposite of hate is love. And I would like to make the case that the opposite of hate, the antidote to hate, the thing that could disrupt hate with a surgeon's precision is humility. Humility. So let's just for this morning define hate as anything, any steps, any thoughts, any actions that consider someone else or another group of people as less than human. Or to be very specific, less than you, less than me. That's hate. And we're talking in part about hate, not just that we're washed in it, but come this Wednesday, all around the world, in not just synagogues, but civic places, Israel, all over the United States, there will be a, an acknowledgement that hate as a weapon managed to execute by shooting, by starving, by gassing, by other atrocious means, test, uh, god-awful medical testing, um, six million Jews. So Wednesday is the formal date of Yom HaShoah, the day of Holocaust remembrance. And can I make a pitch? Is it Monday night? A piece that Joseph was commissioned to write will be played at Interfaith Holocaust. It's at TCC, right? TCC out south. It is something not to be missed. And you are actually awash in Jewish music today as Chris plays Mahler and Mendelssohn. But it is important that we remember what hate can do. I hesitate because... Um, 
It's easy to talk about hate in the past, far away, and to go, well, you know, but I, I didn't have anything to do with it, so I'm clean. And what I want to say is that our task is always to look for the hate that we have within us. But I'm, I'm jumping ahead. Um, I can't wait for your ordination, Gary, but I have to admit I'm going to run home because I don't want to miss 60 minutes. It's a little ritual of mine, but I happen to know that this Sunday, um, Oprah Winfrey is going to be walking through the Memorial for Peace and Justice. Now, I've talked before about hearing Brian Stevenson, and we've talked about his book and watched his TED Talk. He is a lawyer who has dedicated his life, fell into it, but dedicated his life to... um, looking into all that we put on death row, and in particular looking at children who were um, put on death row when they were in their teens, and going, wait a minute, (laughs) we're treating these young teenagers who, uh, anyone who's ever been a teenager knows the wacky things we've done when that frontal lobe isn't quite developed, and we as a nation have condemned people who've made... I will admit dreadful mistakes, but to death? Yes, I know I wanted to throttle my teenagers too, but um, anyway, he got very interested in another form of American, specific American hate that involved the killing of others, of a population that we considered impure and less than human, and that was the African black male, African-American black male. So um, what Oprah Winfrey is going to be walking through is um, a memorial to what Brian Stevenson has identified as 4,384 lynchings, men that we've hung from trees. I've seen pictures of this memorial. I really want to go see it. Just like the Vietnam Memorial that, that uses space and ritual and geography and words to walk you through so that your emotions are pulled and tugged and your heart opened. I have a feeling that this memorial is going to do the same thing. What it is is um, these huge, heavy corten steel. Do you know what corten steel is? It's often what a lot of uh, large metal sculptures are made of and buildings are made of, and it rusts beautifully. And so they are hanging, and what you will do is walk down a sloping ramp so that all of a sudden these will be hanging above you to bring to mind and heart what it means to be standing beneath someone swinging from a tree. And the reason we have to pay attention here in Tulsa, Oklahoma, is so this research and work that this memorial is based on, Brian Stevenson, his work is impeccable, uh, is they've identified by county. So you can go online at the memorial website and see a map of the United States, 
and county by county how many lynchings they've managed to identify. No, they are not all just below the Mason-Dixon line. They are all over our country. And if you click on Oklahoma, you'll see that over half of the counties have, so it's by color, pink for just two or three lynchings that they've managed to identify. And the one county that stands out is Tulsa County. So all the other counties have two or three lynchings, one. Tulsa County has 36. 36. We have to talk about that. And it, it plays into, it, it's a role, it's a way of thinking and understanding the other that is part of our history and our Tulsa Race Massacre. Because that race massacre, the spark for it, was the tale of, it's a script, it's a script. Our lynchings are based on a script that sexualized about black men being highly sexualized and they may have made a, uh, our race writers, possibly a black boy tripped toward a white woman. That's what our race massacre was based on, this hearsay, maybe, sort of, kind of, but it is a script that is at the base of most lynchings, that there's been some kind of sexual uh, encounter that destroys the purity of a race. It's, uh, it's, it's hard to talk about because it's, it's, um, it's an imagination of what it means to other someone else and make them less than human. So our Tulsa Race Massacre, to see that number, that there were 36 lynchings here in Tulsa County, means, oh, we were already primed for this kind of fear and action and story. When I was able to um, take a trip last month with my family, I begged them, I think I told you, to stop in Memphis because I wanted to see the Lorraine Motel. They've taken the Lorraine Motel where Martin Luther King was assassinated and done an incredible job of building onto it so that you walk through the history of black people as they are brought to the United States as slaves through civil rights, it's multimedia, and then you end up in the hotel rooms up on the balcony where Martin Luther King was shot. It's very powerful. So the point is, I think it is important for us to look deeply at our history of hate. It is um, not presented this way often, but I would make the case that our country on many levels is founded on hate. The whole manifest destiny, the notion that explorers and Christians from Europe can come here and say, hey, this is an empty place that we're going to take over, is predicated on predetermined hate that anyone who does not believe or look the way we do 
is already worth destroying. Here's what's hard about hate is it is so potent. I don't know about you, but I am aware that when I hate, I actually feel more alive. I have clarity. I have passion. I have been so angry this week with legislators that I have crossed... Well, (laughs) I have crossed that line from time to time in my mind about hate, and I've spun out all these narratives. They are so stupid, and they are so ignorant, and how can they do this, and they have no feelings, and they must be terrible parents, and they must blah, blah, blah. It does not take me long to go there. And it, and it is enlivening. And it is a, a, a powerful driving force that makes me want to go help those teachers. And it's useful. And it's not. It is so destructive. How do you contain? How do you? How do I? Let's keep it as I. Wow. What it does is it creates this incredible sense of belonging. I'm with all those who hate too. And you over there who are making these terrible mistakes. It is at the heart of our divisiveness, our us and them. So let's back up to the case I was going to make, that humility is what disrupts it. So humility. I really think humility is just a fancy word for being real, for saying what is what. And part of that what is what is by saying, you know, I'm unique. I do a lot of fabulous things. I've raised great children. I've had a long life marriage. And, oh my gosh, I've hated... I've been stupid, I've been cruel. I'm pretty darn average when you come down to it. I'm pretty darn human. And when I hate, I really believe the psychologists and sociologists who point out that when I do this, I hate you, I hate that. What I'm really doing is saying, oh, I hate that part of me that I don't want to acknowledge that can be ignorant and selfish and stupid. And and there are parts of myself I'd rather not know about and look at and consider less than human. So humility is seeing the world as it truly is. And my place in the world, I have agency, I can take action, and I'd better be very careful with all the things I spin out in my head as truth. Especially when it comes to hate. I am no better. I am no worse. Um, I worked with the youth today. They're doing their coming of age and trying to write their credos. And we, (laughs) the problem with teaching the youth is they are too much fun. And we got way off the rabbit trail talking about love, what is love, and then we ended up talking about the death penalty. 
and the struggle with the notion that everyone is fully human and lovable. I had some good thoughts. And then some I wanted to go, wait, 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 don't, don't go there. Or think that through more fully. Um, so my Buddhist training, I think to disrupt hate with humility means you have to pay attention to every single thought that you have and how quickly you can superglue a judgment to that thought. In fact, they feel like they are one and the same. And what we talk about in meditation terms is, in Buddhist terms, that, that the judgments we have, that's, that's normal. We are always going to judge and make decisions and go, I prefer chocolate versus vanilla. I prefer someone that looks like you than someone that looks like that. That is good and normal. It's that next step when we start saying, I like how you look, but I don't like how you look, and you must be, and then we started dehumanizing. You must be stupid. You must be cruel. You must be whatever it is. And that we need to pay attention, slow down our thinking, paying attention to our thinking process so that we're aware of those judgments because we make them just like this. Notice how many judgments you're going to make today. We're going to have this lovely homeless meal, and you're going to make judgments about how much to take. Those are all judgments. I hate casserole. I love green beans. They say, I know, they seem innocent. So what the Buddhists say is you can always have a preference. Always. But it's when you insist on that preference, when you go, my life will be miserable if I don't have what I want. And that life is, that, it, that I hate. When I insist on what I hate. So we were talking about the title I chose for the sermon is Quantifying Hate, because I think that's what Yom Shoah is about, is about quantifying how many people were killed. And this memorial to peace and justice is identifying how, much, how many people were lynched because of hate. But I think our job is to look at, quantify our own hate by each thought that we have. I really invite you to notice how many judgments you make and how many of those involve that next step of saying I hate or even I love. You know, the Buddhists are uh, equal opportunity um, wisdom people and say also notice when you say, well, I love this so much that I have to have this. We have to learn to work with our own hate and be very humble and notice that hating out there is about hating and decisions you've already made. Because Booker T. Washington is right. I would permit no person to 
to narrow and degrade my soul by making me hate them. It's always a choice to hate. And our task as a religious people is to notice when we have made that choice. We can fight for what's right, but we can't hate the person. We can hate their actions. But part of being universalist is acknowledging that we are all equally human. It's at the heart of humility. May it be so.